Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Love and Lemons Every Day by Janine D'Onofrio and Jack Matthews. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Nothing. What's happening with you? Oh, just over here drinking a margarita, Mm. pretending that it's warm outside. (laughs) It is kind of warm out. Eh, For Minneapolis. Yeah. It's it's not tropical or anything. It's, It's not sitting on the beach weather. Yeah. Although some people think it's shorts weather. Well, in Minnesota, if it gets up past like 34 degrees. Then it's shorts weather. It is. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome to episode 69. (laughs) The the 12-year-old in me is giggling like a schoolgirl. Of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, you'll see that store tab there. That will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. We've got four lists there. Take your pick. Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks. Cookbooks. Ooh, a new one. Food Photography and Styling for all those... uh, photography and styling needs, and then fun food finds. If you make a purchase from any of those lists, or all of them, we're not picky, then uh, we get a little something in return. doesn't cost you anything more. And thanks for everyone that's doing that, because it's a great way to support what we do, and uh, we definitely appreciate it. Yes. All right. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Well, first of all, you had mentioned that we are drinking margaritas. Yeah, you want to tell the class what we're drinking? <laughs> We are drinking a pineapple jalapeno margarita, um, which I find kind of hilarious because, as you know, not really a tequila fan, neither are you. No, but we were working through a cocktail book, and I was kind of curious to try a few tequila cocktails, which were not successful. (laughs) (laughs) So we had this bottle of tequila that we needed to do something with. And I think we mentioned on a previous episode, like, oh, we'll just set it aside in the home bar. And that'll be the thing that we give guests when they come over or, you know, we we dare someone to drink or, you know, they do a shot for whatever strange reason. But uh, then we decided to give margaritas a go yep um we've been kind of leaning into them and they're, they're delicious we haven't done the regular margaritas what we've been doing is um blended let's see yeah one Fancy. one night um i shouldn't say regular margaritas we haven't been doing margaritas like straight regular margaritas on the rocks um i've been using frozen fruit and i've made all of my margaritas spicy i did a spicy mango margarita I and the spice comes from the jalapeno. jalapeno. And Just I a did touch. a spicy watermelon Just margarita. Just a hint of heat. 
And right now we are doing a spicy pineapple margarita. Yep. I have to say, I think uh, I think my favorite is the mango. Mine too. Mm-hmm. And especially when you get that ratio just right with mm-hmm. the with the jalapeno, and you just get that little hint of heat. Yep. All right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> hey, we went to the Minnesota Craft Beer Festival yesterday. Yeah. And it was kind of an impromptu, last minute thing. So. I think this is a nationwide thing, but there is a local Facebook group called Buy Nothing, and it's specific to the neighborhood that we live in. But I think it's part of a, a larger movement, and and people will just offer up everything from uh, an old couch to a pair of shoes. A jar of pickles. A half a open jar of pickles <laughs> to... Tickets to this Minnesota Craft Beer Festival. So someone was just like, hey, have these tickets, can't go, want to donate them to someone that can use them, which was a very generous gift because I think they were like $45 each. Mm-hmm. And I just threw my hat in the ring and was like, hey, I'll take them. And they randomly selected my name. It's actually the first thing that I've been given from this group. Oh, lucky Although boy. I didn't express any interest in those pickles. <laughs> I, I, I let someone else have those. But uh, so, yeah, and they gave us the tickets. We decided to attend. There were brewers from now, all over the country. Here's the thing, though. You might I, recall the last time we did one of these things. I had to go gluten-free. There was a lost wallet. Oh, yeah. And, we're and we're talking about ice. two totally different things. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. Carry on. <laughs> gluten-free. I had to go gluten-free. But thank- Probably not ideal for a beer festival. No. But thankfully, there are enough seltzer companies, cider companies, and even breweries that are making seltzers. Yep. I have to say my two favorite seltzers were the Press and the Grey Duck. And for those of you who don't know, Grey Duck is kind of a little Minnesota joke because there's that game. I think everywhere else it's known as Duck Duck Goose. But in Minnesota, it's Duck Duck Grey Duck. Very regional specific. It's, it is very regional specific. Um, and yeah, I mean, so basically we made our tour of this entire festival and drank nothing but like seltzers and ciders and a few non-alcoholic beers just for the heck of it. Well, I didn't have any non-alcoholic yeah, beer. I did. They weren't that good. No. Oh, and we had like that that weird wine. Oh, that wine was so bad. It was non-alcoholic too. Ugh. What's the point? <laughs> it was so, it tasted like kind of like grape juice that has gone off. Yeah. Speaking of grapes, we had some good uh, grape seltzers, and and grape is yes. not really a flavor that we embrace that often. No. But man, those were good. Those were taste. It was like drinking some alcoholic grape juice. Yeah, I can get behind that. So yeah, a fun time was had by all. Well, we- I have to I have to say I'm really glad that I wasn't drinking beer. Although we would pass by the menu boards of some of the breweries. And it was just like a little stab in my heart seeing like all these fruited sours and like fruited beers and all these and you couldn't try IPA them. bombs. And I was just like, oh, but I also would have probably gotten blitzed True. out of we, my mind. We showed admirable restraint. We absolutely we, we did. We through, we tasted some good things left we didn't feel any like obligation because the tickets were free so we weren't like i'm gonna get my money's worth and to that there was no lost wallet there was no lost wallet. (laughs) getting back to your original point yeah 
on a completely unrelated note, we watched uh, the Tony Hawk documentary on uh, HBO, done by the same person as the Wilco documentary, if you are familiar with that. You weren't a big skateboarder growing up. Uh, Oh, I love the skate guys. I love the skateboard guys. That's different than skateboarding, though. Well... You were a skateboard groupie. I was a skateboard groupie. (laughs) I would try and skateboard occasionally, and I just... Which I'm surprised, because... I have really good balance yeah. and I was kind of fearless. I don't know what I, it just like it never, it never really clicked with I me. I had a brief skateboarding interest probably for like half a summer one year, like in between my break dancing and let's see, what else did I get really into? I don't know. Those were the things. Johnny for, is one of these a, people where if he gets into something, he goes like, all in all in yep it can be really annoying sometimes (laughs) and expensive my my hobby is that i just like dive right into an embrace but uh yeah so i was never a skateboarder but uh, that said this was like a really fun interesting documentary because i don't know much about the sport of skateboarding or tony hawk in particular and so it was kind of interesting to watch just from that perspective and just you know take it all in it was very interesting that they talked a lot about like the skateboard crew, the like the skateboard team and everything mm-hmm. and and his career and they they didn't cover very much of his personal life at all. Yeah. Which it, and maybe that was on his part, you yes. know, like who knows. I mean, they had his full participation obviously and he was interviewed, you know, throughout and they had like kind of all access and, and maybe, he, yeah, he was probably like I will tell you all these things but these are the things that i well, don't want to talk there about. were four marriages and i don't think they even mentioned two of them yeah and maybe that was for like legal reasons who knows who knows how all that works hmm. but uh i thought i thought it was really interesting how the how it opens and i i guess it's spoiler alert if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know anything about it but but i i loved the opening scene where they're showing him at his like personal you know indoor skate park facility yeah or, you know whatever and here's a 50 some year old tony hawk trying to execute these moves that you know back in the day would have been like second nature to him and he was like falling it was just like one after another the way they edited it where and he was watching like his head smack ooh. on the ground at the end it's i was brutal ooh poor guy has to have some what is it called uh it's the thing that football players that get I, I think it's called cte oh with it's the like, concussions yeah. yeah no he mentioned that oh my god yeah but you know just just someone my age a little older having this reckoning with his body that you know like this these things that he was able to do so easily uh with great frequency Back in the day, and now he just can't do it's it just anymore. This reckoning, yeah. yeah. Well, and the, but and you I could just you know he was getting so frustrated, and and but I have to say I'm I can't believe the fact that he can take those falls, right? Like he can to still take those falls yeah. because in the summer I fell on my skates. I was just standing there, fell, landed on my shoulder, and I could not. I couldn't raise my arm more than six inches for about a week. Oh, it was so bad. And that's when we were trying to move house and everything. Yes. Inconvenient. Oh, wait. I've got one other thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. Take it away. 
So I went and picked up some pottery pieces. I'm, oh yeah, pottery update. Yeah, if you if you um, well today we shared our my pottery on our Instagram post. So yeah. if you if you are when you listen to this, just go back a little bit and you can if you haven't caught the the you, post, you, you can, can see the fruits of Victoria's labor. Yeah, I didn't post everything. I mean, it, this stuff wasn't perfect. But I'm pretty proud of it. You should be. I'm impressed. And I'm starting a second pottery session on Thursday. Yeah. So and you're going to see it, uh, some of those pieces make an appearance. Yes. In our, in our feed in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk about what we're currently uh, starting? I guess yes. tonight. Uh, yep. We are starting the Red Boat. The Red Boat Fush. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Boat Fish Sauce Cookbook by Gung Pham. Um Well done. I feel well. I feel like I'm kind of mispronouncing it because I it sounds like a soft G, and I don't think I can get that soft G. Much better than well. I um, but we are making the chicken tinga out of this, which is great. Chicken tinga from a Vietnamese book. Yes, and that will actually tie into later on in the podcast. So I, I had to visit four different grocery markets. For these ingredients. And these are not exotic ingredients. We're talking things like cilantro, basil, avocado. The first place I went to was kind of our go-to like chain grocery store in Minneapolis. And a bag of limes was $10. $10. What is going on with the price of limes right now? He texted me a photo. From, he texted me a photo and he's like, I think it just had exclamation points. I didn't even say anything. I was yeah. just like, $10. And I was like, holy moly. Mm-hmm. We've been having avocado issues lately, too, where like they're not even ripe, and you cut into them, and they're like brown as fuck. Oh, yeah, they're totally brown inside. Disgusting. We've had to actually throw a couple away. Which pains me. Listen to us talking about like avocados and limes. First world problems. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so my point was that then I went to the local like Asian market, which is usually pretty solidly reliable and that we United love. United Noodle. Woo woo. Yep. Um, and they did not have cilantro, basil, or avocados. The shelves were bare there. It was pretty picked over. I feel like they tend to get a little bit bare towards the end of the week. Yeah, it could be. Maybe not. Maybe I should not go grocery shopping on Sunday afternoon, no, which no. is when we're recording this. And then uh, I went to the local, and this is great because like I covered like all of the different uh, cultures and cuisines too in my travels too. Because then the <laughs> next stop was the Mexican supermarket down the street from us, where I was able to procure some reasonably priced cilantro and avocados, but they didn't have basil. And then. I had to go downstairs to our little like kind of bodega produce, super produce market. market. Yeah, it's like, more than a bodega. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, they had basil, which did not look very good, but they, they gave me a deal. They hooked me up <laughs> and we're using it tonight. So we'll make it work. It's going in the blender anyway. It, I feel like it's been a long time since you've not since the little little neck incident. Yeah. Like three years ago. Little neck clams. The bane of my existence. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so four four different grocery trips. But you know, it, it's a nice day out, as you mentioned. I got to like walk got to down go for the a street walk, about yeah. three blocks and and uh, take in the take in the local neighborhood. So all all is good. Um, let's go to our show question, which mm-hmm. is this is a good one, and this is what this is one of your suggestions. And uh, we got some good response from it. Yeah. Uh, what are some dishes that you prefer to order 
or have someone else make rather than make yourself. You want to start with the uh, listener sub- submissions? Yes. Betty and Roger said dessert. Okay. Not not a baker. Yeah, I can I can totally understand and appreciate I, that. Yep, I respect that. Uh, the and plus, kitchen. Wait, oh, and yeah, plus go. sometimes when you order something from a restaurant, it's much more fun and exciting and decadent than like something you would make at home. Because you're not going to make a cake with like four different compotes and like... And all you'd remember are all those dishes that you had to clean. Yep. After the after the experience, no, so I, I, I totally wholeheartedly get, get that. Yep. Um, at the kitchen corner, said pizza. I can I can understand that too. D- depending on where you're going, like if you're just going to Domino's, then I'd just say you're fucking lazy, right? But if you're going to like a nice wood fired pizza place where they can get that char that you can't achieve in a regular oven, if you're going I, to Domino's, if you're going to Domino's, I think you could just buy. A frozen pizza that is equally as good. Uh, good might not be the right word, but we've had good frozen pizzas. Whatever. <laughs> but Domino's is not good. No, it's not. What do you although, got next? although I have to say, it's probably better. Probably um, a step above Little Caesars. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, Can we agree they both suck? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Next. Um. <laughs> uh, all about Kelly said salads always better when someone else makes them all right i I guess we're not getting that lucrative uh domino's or little caesar's commercial sponsorship money anytime soon no at jen n fernandez said sushi Mm -hmm. uh, the first but not the last uh example of that yep megan annigan's Megan Anigans. Megan Anigans. <laughs> uh, said, I don't know why, but sandwiches, preferably made by Pegs, a.k.a. Mom. I want to have some I, Peg sandwiches. I know. I, wonder what, I wonder, love that. I wonder what Peg's specialty is. I love that she's very specific about sandwiches made by Mom. I mean, it's never the same uh, as Mom's. Yeah. So... At Rita Made Food, another vote for pizza with interesting topping combinations or crust styles or a simple margarita. Okay. And that kind of goes back to my original point. Like, if you're doing the wood-fired thing, it's never going to be the same as no, like an 800-degree wood-fired oven. So I, I get it. I'm, I'm so jealous of those people who have, like, the backyard pizza ovens. I think Joseph and Shannon have a backyard pizza oven. I think you're right. I'm so jealous. Pizza party at their house. Right. All right. <laughs> uh, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said sushi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Charlene J said lasagna and pad thai. Lasagna, I'm not, I mean, we're, we're not really huge fans of like large amounts of pasta, so that's not our dish of choice, but like I, I, I wouldn't be afraid or hesitant to make lasagna at home. It's easy. See, I kind of feel like Lasagna is more of a pain in the ass than it's worth worth to make. Sure. Maybe so, she feels the same way. And maybe yeah. that's why she prefers to have others make it for him. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Joseph P. said linguine with clams, ramen slash pho, uh, banh mi, and Thai curries. I, I think I can co-sign on all of those. Yeah. The ramen, like we make a nice one at home, but it's just never the same. Well, and you it's... Go to like a, awesome ramen place it's a lot of steps like making the broth and like preparing the meats yep. and yeah it's it's a day's worth of work it is <laughs> uh daniel o another vote for pizza 
And then, oh, we had a last minute sub- submission here from Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Oh. Most seafood, especially lobster. Lobster is always such a big disappointment. But, yeah. I, I kind of. But I get way. it. And and it's like kind of, yeah, it's kind of gross, like cutting into it or pulling it out, out of its shell. Like, bleh. Well, I guess with some seafood, there's some preparation involved. And maybe if you're not confident in your skills to Absolutely. debone a fish or skin a fish or something. Like, I can I can see how that might be something where, like, maybe you're craving it. Although most not, days you can get it. Right, right. If you've like got a decent how, fishmonger, yeah. Yeah. If you're not just going to the local gas station to get your fish. Oh, shut up. <laughs> What'd you have for your picks? Um. Okay. My first one was sushi. Yep. We've um, tried before. Well, and Not you, the same. And like when you order sushi, you can get a better variety. Right. You know, it's, it's just, I feel like it's just simply not worth it to make it at home. Yep. And plus, I feel like it's kind of hard to find sushi grade fish. We're in Minnesota. Yes. Mind you. Yes. So um, fried chicken. Yep. Here's the thing, though. I make really good fried chicken. Yes, you do. And... We've had some very disappointing fried chicken. That is true. Also. From other places, I should say. Uh, But the mess. Yeah. The mess, like from the dredging to the grease, like, ugh. We just talked about this, dude. We'll just wait six months. Right. And then you'll be like, (laughs) I need to make fried chicken again. Let's see. Uh, Duck leg confit. Really? Yes. Well, because duck fat is expensive. Sure. You have to buy, to even make it worth it, you'd have to buy like three ducks. True. Which gets expensive. Yeah, yeah. The uh, There is a curing time. Nope, I get it. It's it's a bit of work. Yeah, no, I get um, it. But it's so good. Yes, it So is. anytime I ever see it on a menu, yep. that's what I'm ordering. Okay. And also, one more. I have to say pâtés and terrines. Okay, sure. That I mean, makes sense. like that's a lot of work. You have to Very get out the intensive. meat grinder and you know, depend well, depending on what you're making. Like sure. it's it's a process. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I did plenty of it in culinary school. I did plenty of it at rest at like one restaurant that I worked at. Like ugh, no thanks. But I love them. Yep. So I'll just buy them. I feel you. All right, what about you? Uh, I've got a few. Okay. Uh, sushi, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. for the same reasons. We've tried making it before. It's just always kind of underwhelming. We'll leave it to the experts. Uh, on those same lines, barbecue. Like when we had a house and we were able to set up a smoker and do the whole routine. Absolutely. We, we made some awesome barbecue, but it was a full day process mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe it's not a lot of like action hands-on time but it's not like you know you still had to kind of continually feed the smoker and do some occasional you know observing and and care and maintenance and and it's not something you could just like leave and then come back 12 hours later and magically there's barbecue there but it was so good and would we would have like leftovers and but I mean, we can't do that now. Because now all of these are kind of assuming that you've got some good options where you live. Yes. So I understand that, like, if you live out in the middle of nowhere and there's not a good sushi place or there's not a good barbecue place, then you're kind of left to your own devices. Um, as you mentioned, fried chicken mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Beer. 
Yes. So, like, uh, the, the, speaking of hobbies that I got really obsessive about, oh, I was really into home brewing when we lived in Chicago to the point of where I was brewing a batch of beer probably every week. That was just like something I did on days off when I, you know, as a hobby. And I couldn't possibly drink as much as I was brewing. More than we could ever drink. We gave it away. Like we would. Sure. Our neighbors loved us. We would give it like when we would go get tattoos, we'd give the artist like a bonus six pack or something. It was a great uh, impromptu gift for people. Absolutely. But with. The amount of breweries that are present in just about every part of the United States and probably elsewhere for that matter, it just doesn't make sense. Like these people are devoting like their career to the craft and it just doesn't make sense for like Johnny to dip his toes in the water brewing craft beer. I mean, it was always very rewarding Mm -hmm. to do it and then be like, I made this. But at this point in my life, I'll just, you know, we don't have the room to do that kind of stuff, those kind of hobbies. So I'll just leave it to the experts. And then I got one last minute thing that I just thought of. Yeah. Ice cream. For the same reason, because we've got a few decent kind of boutique ice cream places mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they always have some like interesting, unusual flavors that I don't really feel the need to do it ourselves. Even though we have the equipment to do it, but then, you know, you're, you you do it and then you've got like this container of ice cream that you have to to eat where I'd rather just go get a little tiny pint and, and be done with it and move on to the next flavor. Well, but the thing here too, I like 100% agree with you. You're making like a small batch of ice cream and for the cost of the ingredients that you are using, that's about as much as what like a pint Correct. Of the artisanal, small, handmade ice creams are. Truth. So there you go. Those are my picks. All right. Good Should picks. we talk about this book? <laughs> Probably. Let's right. get around to it. <laughs> I feel like we've been like talking for forever. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> All right. So for this book, Love and Lemons Every Day, uh, Plant-powered, plant-based, plant-forward, whatever you want to call it. Vegetables receive top billing in this cookbook. This book really embraces kind of like (laughs) vegetarianism as a lifestyle uh, with a focus on fresh seasonal produce. What else can we say about this book? Let's see. There's over 100 recipes. Mm -hmm. And rather, it doesn't force the concept of vegetarianism onto you, but it focuses on fresh and seasonal produce. Right. And it gives you like innovative ways to focus plants, uh, seasonal produce, along with pantry staples like grains and legumes into your meals. Right. Um, and <laughs> so you want to talk about the dishes we made and then we'll uh, circle back and do a deep dive into them. Absolutely. All right. All right. Let me give a little bullet list here. Breakfast polenta bowls with chimichurri. Shiitake bok choy buddha bowls. Cauliflower steaks with lemon salsa verde. Orange tea old fashioned. And a carefully curated snack board. Or cheese board or cheese board, charcuterie graze, board, whatever graze, you want to call grazing it. Grazing board, yeah, you know, yeah. what have you. All right. Let's talk this uh, breakfast polenta bowl with chimichurri. Okay. So I think this was one of those breakfast for dinner situations. It was, um, which we love. 
So here was, I mean, I've made polenta dozens and dozens and dozens of times. New technique, though. New technique, yes. So it required you to soak the polenta overnight in a mason jar. And the end result is that it uh, reduces the cooking time by over 30 minutes. Charts and graphs show that if you uh, do something in a mason jar, it just tastes better. FYI. If you say so. Yep. So <laughs> um, I make all my moonshine too. Mm-hmm. All right. Ooh, that's I, I haven't gotten into that yet. They sell moonshine. They sell moonshine rigs on Wayfair. Okay. So get on that, Balmer. I, I think the minute you can buy a moonshine kit on Wayfair, mm-hmm. it, you've it's jumped the shark. Yep. Got to move on to something else. <laughs> Agree. All right. Um, okay. So this recipe called for parsnips. But I think parsnips are bullshit. So <laughs> we substitute. Poor parsnips. I know. They don't get. Although, you know what? Maybe I should revisit it. See? Since I'm in, discovering. In the spirit of everything. I'm yeah? discovering a, like a new love for all these things that I've tried over and over and hated. But you never I'm, know. I'm, I'm getting easy in my old age. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, we substituted it with some squash that we had on hand. We had like hot, half a squash. And that that gets oven roasted along with some broccolini and sweet potato. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, a little twist, a little plot twist. Mm-hmm. So we did not have uh, <laughs> milk available. That was kind of our fault. We just had unsweetened vanilla almond milk, and we were like, oh, do we go make an emergency run to the store, or do we just roll the dice? We rolled the dice. We rolled the dice. <laughs> and it worked out. It was good. It was a little bit sweet, but I have to say it did complement like, uh, the squash and the sweet potatoes. The vanilla was a little bit weird for me. But I actually didn't hate it. It was kind of a happy accident. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The chimichurri sauce, for those of you who don't know, it's like a parsley with uh, white wine vinegar, garlic, red pepper, chili, flake. And what else is in there? There's some harissa. Yep. Breakfast for dinner success. Yes. It was great. And I feel like we don't eat polenta enough. We're going to be eating it now since... Uh, it's gluten-free. Yes. All right. Let's talk shiitake bok choy Buddha bowls. I, I just have to point up, out up front that shiitake and Buddha are two words that I frequently struggle to spell correctly. I don't know why that is. See, I think shiitake is one of the one I I never put in the... The second I? No. It always just looks like shitache. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, two eyes, people. I ha- I am the worst speller, and especially now with autocorrect, like I don't. Oh yeah, I just forget about don't it. Don't ever spell anything correctly anymore. Yep. Um, okay, so let's get to it. This was an easy dish. I it mean, was the, super the, the easy. Spelling it is probably the most difficult part of the recipe. Yeah. Right. Um, so what you do is toss some cubed tofu. It says to just toss it in tamari. But I tossed it in tamari and sriracha. And then after it was roasted, it, I gave it another sriracha coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It gets some sliced shiitake mushrooms, which you pan saute. Then there's some baby bok choy. It gets served over some brown rice. And it calls for a walnut ginger miso sauce. Which we transformed into... 
pecan ginger <laughs> miso sauce. If you know us, you know that we're not, <laughs> we're, we're anti-walnut in this house. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say with it. It was really good, super easy. Comfort food at its finest mm-hmm. without feeling like super, you know, uncomfortable. Like, like I just I ate just a ate, big brick. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, let's talk cauliflower steaks with lemon salsa verde. Do it. Well, the biggest issue I have with this recipe is the the cauliflower steaks things. I'm getting so tired of that. Like I would have preferred that they called them slabs, planks, just about anything besides steaks. I get that. It's just a personal thing. It's annoying. And it and this is the the truth is that this is a dish that can stand on its own as just, you know, it was a really nice vegetarian cauliflower dish some of the cooked florets get blended uh with garlic olive oil miso paste and lemon juice to create a puree uh for your roasted cauliflower to sit atop it was a bright vibrant uh lemon salsa verde that we served with it um pretty easy well the lemon salsa verde is preserved lemon basil capers, pine nuts, and then we garn and then we ended up garnishing the dish with red chili, a little bit more pine nuts, and some lemon zest. And it just happens to be vegan and gluten-free. Yes. So there you go. Mhm. Let's uh, move on to orange tea old-fashioned. This was like a nice little spin on a classic cocktail. Well, I used my very last orange uh tea bag for this. So what you do is you seep your tea. It's very generous of you. <laughs> I know. I, I do. I do, I do every. I do. Well, <laughs> I I can't say I really enjoyed that tea in the first place. Okay. Um, what you do is you seep your tea, chill it, and then that gets combined with a tablespoon of maple syrup. If you use a quarter cup of the tea, couple dashes of orange bitters, and a quarter cup of the bourbon of your choice you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that uh hungry jack went into this thing unless you think we had some other maple syrup at the time we did we had this like orphaned container of hungry jack syrup for some strange reason i think it was because like when i bought it i was probably thinking in my mind like when we do like cooking and it calls for like a small amount of maple syrup i'm like i'll just throw that in there instead of like the good stuff but I'm kind of coming around to That's like, disgusting. there's no substitute for the good stuff. Well, you can get like really good, you can get really good maple syrup at Trader Joe's. I just got some downstairs from a local, you know, because like everyone knows that all the best maple syrup comes from Minnesota <laughs> or Wisconsin, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, Wisconsin maple syrup, top of the chain. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I just got like a nice big jar of that for... Not a lot of money. Hungry Local. Jack. Yeah. So gross. Yeah. Maybe we can offer that up on the uh, Facebook group. I think we use that when you, I think you. Barely used jug of Hungry Jack. I think you use that when you um, made pancakes while you were high for the nieces. While they were <laughs> visiting like, us. Maybe I, bought I think it when that's I was why high. you bought it. Yeah, I probably bought it when I was high. Because otherwise we've always had like good maple syrup. At least, like. It, it, I'll, I'll blame it on the cannabis. Sure. Cannabis influence purchase. <laughs> Never again. 
Okay, so the next thing we did was a grazing board. Yeah, so this particular recipe, it just kind of, it's got this beautiful picture of like a a, a snack board, but then it just, it's it's more kind of a structured, like a choose your own adventure kind of thing rather than a strict recipe. So it's just, you know, here's a grazing board. Here's some things you can, you know, choose from this list, choose from this list. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not ones to turn up an opportunity to make a good uh, snack board. So that's what we did. And you, I think, I think it was the uh, spicy pepitas that made you. It's so weird. Like you can find this weird. Johnny gloms on to like one little thing and he'll be like, okay, so th- then we got to make this. And it was like this spicy pepitas Oh, because there was a little, yeah, there was a little I, I, so from I that, hesitate to call it a recipe because it's I know. like toss some pepitas in a few spices. So from that, he's like, okay, we got to do this grazing board. I mean, not that I'm complaining because exactly, I love a good grazing See. board. And uh, we had a blue divarn, which is a French blue, uh, Lenora, which is a goat's cheese milk from Lyon. There was a tr- triple cream brie. There was also, we also had an extra sharp cheddar that we had in our fridge. And then there was a bunch of veggies and uh, fruits, like some apples and pears and some, uh, what was it, golden kiwis. By far, the star of the show was the kimchi pimento. Oh, yes. And this is a recipe. If, if, you, if you're interested in making it, you can just go online and search uh, Southern Living Magazine pimento cheese uh, or kimchi pimento. Oh, my friends, thank me later. But I have to say, I felt like that recipe was a bit more fussy than it, need, than it needed to be. Perhaps. But it was but damn, it was, was it good. really good. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was the star of the show for me. Oh, but you did get to try your hand at making salami flowers. I made salami flowers. Nicely done. It was awesome. Yep. Thank you. And oh yeah, we also had some nuda on there. Yep. Which is it's like a kind of soft, soft S- spreadable meat. Spreadable <laughs> meat. <laughs> Again, the 12-year-old inside me is giggling. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Anything else to add to this? I don't think so. We love a good cheese board. Yes, we do. Let's move on to the most critical Amazon.com reviews of this book before we discuss our own. You want to start with the first one? Sure. All right. What was that recipe about? That that, that, uh, Bachelor of Arts acting degree is really coming in useful <laughs> right you. now because this is this is it's fantastic pure theater carry on um worst cookbook ever unless you are hardcore vegan what yeah my doctor said that i needed to eat more vegetables so i've been looking at vegetarian cookbooks but this one is filled with ingredients i've never seen in my grocery store sorry i bought it spoken like someone who likely has bacon grease coursing through their veins and thinks a balanced diet is a hot dog in each hand. Right? Like, what the... (laughs) There are no ingredients within these pages that are, like, exotic or difficult to source unless you live, like, out in the wilderness And And the fact that your doctor has to tell you to eat more vegetables. Come on now. WB. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, and then the, this other one comes from Paul E. McLaughlin, and he, says, he gives it one out of five stars. And it says, uh, print size too small and color too weak. Unless you have perfect or better vision and excellent lighting, this book is very difficult to read. The font size is the size used in small Bibles. <laughs> I love it. And is uh, the printing is very light gray with just a few shades d- darker than the actual paper. Because the printing is so small, approximately a third of every printed page is, is left blank. And the book is very beautiful with great pictures and everything is very color coordinated. But apparently the designer chose to make the book artistic rather than readable and useful. We'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our own rankings. Okay. Let's move on to food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a (laughs) 3.75. Whoa, now we're going into quarter points. This has never happened before. Usually, this is usually, the first. Usually I'm like half point. 68 and episodes and this is the first quarter point uh, <laughs> there's a ranking. Fir- there's a first time for everything, yep. babe. Pretty soon it's going to be like gymnastics ratings where you're going to be I'm, like tenth of a, uh, tenth hundred, of a point hundred, Hundreds of a point. Yep. <laughs> everything was very, very white. Did you notice that? Like all the dinnerware... All the cookware, the I back- mean, there was a couple of white people that did the book. <laughs> the backdrops are white. Um, the only color came from like linens and well, the food itself. I mean, I appreciate that you want to use white to highlight the food, mm-hmm. but what I'm talking is like food used for props or whatever. Sure. I mean, it was really pretty, but it felt very uninspired. Okay. I, I have to say the food did look gorgeous, mm-hmm. which is why I gave it like almost four. Oh, almost four. <laughs> Anything uh, else? Uh, mo- there were, it was mostly overhead shots. There was no like lighter light. And, like I felt like there was no like playing with the light or anything. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, it was just. Most likely done in a studio mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, it was pretty, but it just was a little bit boring to me. Okay. I gave it a four. Okay. Just just a quarter point more than you. Just a quarter point. Uh, they were self-photographed by the authors. Okay. All the photographs are very composed and styled. Um, you can almost tell this is the work of a blogger. Mm. So there's lots of props. There's mm-hmm. lots of extras. And by that, I mean... Fresh flowers in every photo, beverage glasses, garnishes, linens, utensils. More is more school of uh, (laughs) photography and styling. Uh, Don't get me wrong. They're all gorgeously styled, but perhaps a bit much and definitely not real world setting realistic. The photo photographs in the book are kind of the equivalent of like a beauty pageant contestant. Mm -hmm. Um. And and by the, and I'll even give you an example. So there is an overhead photograph of a pot of vegetables for a vegetable broth recipe. It's on page 105 for anyone that wants to play along at home. Where every single ingredient in that pot is perfectly placed and kind of floating on top yep. in the water. I can't even imagine how much time and effort went into just setting up that one shot so that everything was like perfectly placed within the pot of water. They probably had to put something underneath it to kind of hold everything up. That's a styling trick. Um, And then the only other note that I had was that the 
photographs themselves the the saturation of the colors was a little exaggerated out, so yeah. everything was like very vibrant lots of like reds and greens and stuff but not totally realistic or natural looking mm-hmm. so anyway like gorgeous to look at but almost a little too in that direction okay yep um design and layout would you give it four okay uh all the recipes have a companion photo so it follows this very Strict formula of photo on the right, recipe on the left. Mm-hmm. The font color and choice was odd to me. And this is goes back to what someone said in their Amazon review. For the ingredient list and the methods, it's this like muted black color, almost like gray yep. in color. Not much contrast against the white page that it sits on, which makes it really difficult to read. So I totally agree with what they said. Mm-hmm. Chapters are divided into the usual suspects, so like breakfast, soup, salads, dinner, nothing groundbreaking there. The beginning of the book has a guide uh, of things like seasonal produce items. There's also some pages devoted to like non-meat sources of protein because that's probably a frequent question that you get when you're trying to switch to a more plant-based lifestyle is, you know, there's people that just... They have stuck in their head like, where does the protein come from? And so mm-hmm. they offer some alternatives of, you know, non-meat-based protein. There's a guide to grains and legumes, different types, how to prep, that kind of thing. There's a tutorial on utilizing food scraps, which goes into the whole zero waste concept, as well as the ubiquitous essential kitchen tools and gadgets pages that every cookbook seems to have. I did appreciate that each chapter page contains a list of the recipes within the chapter with the page numbers because this isn't always done and so you don't have an opportunity to kind of just browse through like, oh, what's what's in this chapter without actually flipping through each individual page? Did you steal my notes? No, this is useful. And then the recipes are noted if they're either vegan or gluten-free or mm-hmm. oftentimes how to make them so. Strangely, though, there was no recipe time. Oh, God, you stole my notes. I know. There was a recipe <laughs> yield, so we'll say like makes, you know, serve six, but no times. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of odd for a book that otherwise was pretty thoroughly designed and laid out. Most recipes contain some useful tips. Mm-hmm such as like how to freeze leftovers, things like that. Um, Scattered throughout the book are some useful methods, such as how to make soft-boiled eggs, making homemade oat flour, how to freeze herbs. Um, There was a whole two-page guide to like different... The salad dressings, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, There's a lot of things to appreciate about the design and layout of this book, except for that goddamn font choice and the lack of prep times. Yeah. So I gave it a four. Same. I gave it a 3.75. Oh, look at you. But pretty much every... Seriously, everything that you said... Is what I have in my notes. Great minds think alike. Mm-hmm, of course they do. All right. <laughs> Degree of difficulty, I gave it a two. Okay. Um, the dishes didn't have too many components uh, to compose. Uh, you know, per dish there would be like there's the salad and then there's a the dressing, mm-hmm. or here's the crust and here's the filling. Right. It, it wasn't like super chefy. There were no like chefy cooking tricks. 
And I like the fact that with this book, like sometimes I get a little bit of anxiety because I don't have all the grain or legume cooking times or whatever mm-hmm. or ratios memorized. Mm-hmm. Who, I, I, who does? Who does? Yeah. Um, so like I really like that there is that in this book. Mm-hmm. I find it very helpful and very comforting to someone who gets that kind of anxiety I didn't know that you suffered from legume anxiety. <laughs> this is something new that I'm Well, learning. yes. Now you know. Okay. Now you know. Knowing is half the battle. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I gave it a two. Okay. I, I felt like everything in here was really easy. And mm-hmm. there was, like, was there a lot of baking in there? There was no, there was, like, barely any yeah, baking. Yeah, there was baking. I felt like, like, yeah. I, I was looking through and I didn't look at anything and be like, ooh. It was mostly bars and cookies. Yeah. Which I have in which my Which is super too. easy. Yep. Like that, I said. That's a perfect nothing segue too into chef-y. my ranking. Unless you have anything else to no. add. No. Okay. Uh, I gave it a two as well. Okay. And I specifically mentioned that even the baking chapter consists mostly of bars and cookies. Something that the most basic of cooks can execute without much difficulty. The book definitely seems to be written for the home cook. Yes. With an emphasis on kind of quick and easy. Probably be a good gift for someone with a modest skill level and even a modest cookbook collection who may be trying to eat more healthy or mindfully. Yeah, two. Okay. Uh, taste, what'd you give it? I give it a three. Okay. Nothing was like what I would consider like bursting with flavor or even very memorable, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But it was, in a word... Fine. Yes. (laughs) Um, Many quote unquote bloggers probably have versions of these recipes that they share with people. So there's nothing really groundbreaking happening Mm -hmm. here. But we enjoyed it. It was totally fine. I can see, you know, target demographic for this book probably would not be disappointed. Yeah. With 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 this. So solid three okay i gave it a four okay um everything was tasty and simple and like you said i do feel uh, i kind of do feel like there are versions of a lot of these recipes floating around totally but that said i also do feel like the recipes could have added like could have used a little zhuzh yes like a little bit more heat a little bit talk more. about chefy terms <laughs> a little bit more uh, see i always think of zhuzh as like a fashion term yes. zhuzh it up yep but yeah like a little bit more heat just i, I feel like I think all these things were designed for like widespread appeal. Yes. And I I don't think they disappointed in that regard. Absolutely. But yeah. So yeah. uh, Four. All right. Okay. Well, now we move into our new segment entitled Gastro Obscura. Exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. This is from the book of the same name. What do you got for us today, Victoria? Okay, so this subject was kind of brought about while we were choosing our dinner for tonight, Chicken Tinga, which is in the Red Boat cookbook, the Red Boat fish sauce cookbook. Even though it has Mexican origins. Yes. So we, you know, we're just, I made the comment about how I, I love how that, you know, there is something from Mexican, you know, Mexican origins that is in this cookbook some, and how every every some true cross pollinization going on yes and it's like that with every cuisine mm-hmm. so 
Um, our subject today is the Japanese naval curry. In the Meiji era, which started in like 1868, they began to the Japanese naval Japanese navy sure. um, started becoming more influenced by foreign entities at the time. To entice people to join the military, they were offering unlimited amounts of white rice because eating polished white rice was a sign of affluence. If only it took、uh, just that these days to get people to join the military. Right. Free rice. Free rice. So soldiers ate white rice and little else, but they started to become ill with berry bear. Which is a lack of vitamin B one. There's there's actually two different versions. Not a, not a lot of B one in rice. Nope. There's a wet version and a dry version. The wet version、uh, affects your cardiovascular system. And the dry version、uh, affects the nervous system. Kind of critical is what you're saying. Yep. But however, in modern times, it affects people who are alcoholics. <laughs> Usually, they are malnourished and they just. Don't eat well. So Japanese officials started looking at what other navies were being served, and they noticed that the Brits were serving a, a curry, which was a mixture of tin curry powder, butter, meat, which was usually、um, beef. And strange some- that the navy would be serving beef when they had like you know. A, a, a wealth of seafood, right? <laughs> just over the overboard. Yep. There was also some root veg and a floured thickened sauce. So meat and flour contain vitamin B one, and so they started making this curry, and it was great because it could be extended by being served over the already heaping portions of rice that they have.、Mm-hmm. So curry kind of became the standard in in the Japanese Navy. It was like they called it an Anglo-Indian curry, and it, it's kind of funny to me because like Brits love their curry because of colonization. Sure, food is built on colonization. Yep. In 1908,、uh, the official Navy cooking reference book was issued with the recipe. That's since then been considered the gold standard in curry. To this day, the tradition continues、uh, in the Japanese Maritime Self Defense Force.、Um, they kind of have they do like our version of the fish fry. They will serve curry on Fridays. Ships will take great pride in having their own recipes. That's unique to that ship. Yes. Okay. There's a city in Hiroshima called. Curry, I think it is,、mm-hmm. and it offers like many, many of the versions that ha- that have been like made on these ships. So it's kind of like a catch-all curry. I wonder if someone's done a, a Japanese Navy curry cookbook. That would be so awesome.、Right? Yeah, I, I love that because I knew that curry was a popular dish in Japan, but I didn't know how it originated there. Right, and so that was that was really interesting. To me, to to discover that.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. Anything else? I have nothing else. Japanese curry. What time is it? Time for you to do the、uh, the wrap up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Victoria. If you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us.、Uh, you can follow us on our socials、uh, at we underscore cook. 
underscore books is our Instagram and at we cook books is our Facebook. All right. Now you know what time it is. It's time to make me laugh. <laughs> You're laughing already. <laughs> this is going to be easy. My work is half done. All right. So I previously said before on the show that my restaurant experience is, is quite limited. That's not entirely true. There was one time that I was hired as a chef. <laughs> That's not the joke. Okay. But sadly, my employment at this restaurant was short-lived when they caught me stealing kitchen utensils. But I make no apologies. I've always been a whisk taker. <laughs> no. No. Can we just go back to the first half of the joke where <laughs> that you were cracking funny. up? Really funny. <laughs> Come on, that was good. Oh, sure. All right. <laughs> Reluctant uh, acknowledgement of a funny joke. That's not really the response I was looking for. Sorry. All right. Why don't you like fun? I'm because I'm mean. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Have a fantastic week. Bye. Stay hungry.